Welcome to Tamra Talk Circular, where we explore how businesses, municipalities, and governments are collaborating towards a circular economy. In this podcast, listeners will learn about a bold approach to waste management that a new white paper proclaims to help contribute to great shifts in plastic pollution and greenhouse gas emission reduction. I'm your host, Mitu Mwaran, and our guest today is Tom Eng, Senior Vice President and Head of Recycling at Tamra. Tom, welcome. Thank you, Mitu. I'm really looking forward to this one. Tom, as a Norwegian, you live in what's considered to be one of the most sustainable countries in the world. You've been in the waste management and recycling industry for almost 25 years, and I'm guessing the interest in the environment globally has never been so strong. What are your thoughts on this trend, the awareness, and the current debate? Well, I think this is good, and it's about time, me too. Let me maybe mention some examples. What has happened regarding the climate-related catastrophes this summer, as an example? We had the fires in California, Greece, Turkey, and so on. And we had the floodings in France and Germany. And especially the latter one in Germany got very close. Our recycling headquarter was more or less in the eye of the storm. Luckily, nobody got harmed, but actually one in my direct team had his house flooded. And as a consequence, we gave all our employees uh, more than a week off so that they could help up clean the houses of their neighbors, their relatives and friends. And I think you need these kind of eye openers, although they are, of course, not very good. That's the way you can get people to understand that we have a problem here. The whale with its stomach full of plastic showing up at the shores of Norway some years back is another of those eye-openers. And I think having the recent UN report on climate change is important and is good, and that is something we need so that we can see some facts on the paper. And it shows that we can and we must take and make changes so that we can get things better and not worse. And also remember that we had this report from the International Energy Agency that came out earlier this year saying that we should not need to do more oil and gas drilling. And this will, of course, eventually also have an impact on the available resources for producing, for example, plastics. So we must act now. And the green recovery in the EU, which definitely is not business as usual, that is also another step in that uh, right direction. I call them hairy goals, uh, but they are needed goals. And as always, some kind of legislation is needed as a framework and basis for the further process. So kind of to summarize that, I think all of us, being a consumer, being a politician, or being a CEO of a multinational brand, need to change, need to take action, and we need to do it today. Tamra has almost 50 years experience in developing circular waste management practices. Its recently launched white paper on holistic resource systems, mixed waste sorting is regarded as one of the top three best practices to positively impact climate change while maximizing plastic packaging recovery. This might come as a surprise to proponents of separate source collection. Could you describe the reactions so far? Yes, certainly. Let me quickly explain the holistic resource system. Uh, and this is an optimized combination of 
deposit return schemes, so in effect reverse vending machines, separate source collection for some waste streams, and mixed waste sorting. So separate source collection is part of that holistic resource system, but not for plastics. Here we think that mixed waste sorting seems to be a better option. That being said, one does not exclude the other. We need to use all waste streams to reduce the exploitation of primary resources as much as possible. Remember that the material, for example, plastics, are spread over all the various separate source collection streams. So we need to really look at all to be able to get the feedstock here. If there is a well-functioned system in place, it should be optimized and remain in place. So no need to do a fundamental change. But if there is no one in place, we suggest considering how to set it up. And we propose separate source collection for paper, organic, e-waste, textiles, and sometimes glass. And I think it's quite obvious that organic is contaminating many other fractions. So having that separate is important. And the same goes for also with e-waste, which has some hazardous components in it, but also some very valuable components in it. So, so e-waste is, is what, Tom? That's the electronic waste. So all the electronic goods you have at home, ranging from PCs and uh, could be, of course, white goods as well. So it's a kind of broad thing that is defining that type of waste. For, for plastic packaging, uh, our findings show that an optimized mixed waste sorting system works better. So you will have less loss of valuable materials that now are spread over too many fractions due to the number of separate collection types. And there will also be less confusion for the inhabitants. So having the right collection, sorting, washing, and extrusion will give good results. And the test we have done together with several of the large reputable companies show that it's possible to collect municipal solid waste, sort it, and then process it through washing and pelletizing. The end product is good enough to meet the requirements for recyclables and thus recycle content. I think the good enough is key here. But it does, however, require a mindset change of the converters and producers from having tweaked the process with virgin materials for years to now using recycled content. So we are not there yet, uh, but I think we have started on a very interesting journey. And I've heard there's another white paper on the way this autumn. The paper, based on work done by sustainability consultancy Unomia, details the impacts of mixed waste sorting prior to disposal, incineration, and landfill. The study showed concrete evidence of how this system helps to decrease CO2 emissions, if I've heard correctly. Can you explain? Well, yes. The goal is to reduce exploitation of primary usage or material. Today, 2 to 3% of the plastic produced is being reused for some or similar products. 2 to 3%. This is the, the famous closed loop, right? Correct. And that only 2 to 3% of that is really being used for same or similar products. I think it's fair to say that there is some room for improvement or considerable improvement there. At, at the same time, one report called Breaking the Plastic Wave indicates that incineration of plastic emits 5.4 tons of CO2 per metric ton of that material. 
That's quite an effect on it. And then there is a double effect. So we lose the CO2 when incinerating, and we need to make new virgin material because, of course, that material has been incinerated. And that, that making of new material also consumes CO2. So in other words, it would reduce CO2 twice. Collecting more material before it's lost means we use less primary resources, and we will keep the material in the loop longer and thus no burning of toxic material. And that same white paper also refers to a study by Inomia stating that creating one ton of HTPE or PP shows a delta of more than one ton of extra CO2 emitted by if you produce virgin material compared to using secondary material as input for the final one ton of that HTP and PP. So it just shows that the effects here are enormous on the CO2 emissions. And HTPE and, and PE are? HTPE stands for high-density polyethylene, and PP is uh, polypropylene. And those are used for different types of packaging uh, foils and are actually the two most uh, used plastics uh, that we face in our business. Okay, that sounds really good. Very, very promising indeed. Reducing CO2 twice. Are there other advantages? Yeah, there are quite a few. I mean, there's a change in the income from that added material extraction uh, so that the, the companies can sell that off in the market. You might get higher gate fees. You will definitely have lower CO2 costs. And again, being Norwegian, I can use Norway as an example. Currently, the total CO2 cost is at around 800 Norwegian kroners. That's about 80 euro. And that is consistent costs of the quotas and the fees. The Norwegian government has now a target to get that total up to 2,000 Norwegian kroners. So again, 200 euro by 2030. So that's a two and a half times the current level we are at. Then you also have the lower plastic taxes, which is now coming in a few countries. You will need few incinerators to then, because you don't do so much incineration. And you can extend the life of the landfills. But I think we need to be realistic. And of course, it's, it's not that simple because we know that some of the waste companies have a substantial part of their business in the field of incineration or landfill. So the $100,000 question or maybe a million dollar question or, or more is, will they continue to be active in this field in the future? So with other words, they need to feed their landfills and even more the incinerators could have an impact on the availability of the feedstock. So what we are proposing is to take that feedstock and sort it to prior to, for example, incineration. And I think th this is also, again, we are, we are also a company that are, are driven by the shareholder value. So if there is an impact on the spreadsheet of the company, they will look for changes. So in this case, having taxes which can negatively influence their profit and loss, the company will look for alternatives. And swapping from virgin material to recycled is one such change. Okay. Let's turn our attention to a post-pandemic world. In the past, recovery packages after a massive economic turndown have been focused on getting things back to normal as quickly as possible. This time it seems to be different, and the world is talking about a green recovery. 
The hope is we will start to see positive and sustainable changes in climate and the environment over time. How does sorting prior to disposal, I think you called it, fit into this scenario? Well, first of all, much of the waste today is not collected and does not sorted to be recycled, not even downcycled. Uh, but now we see that there is a, a market that is starting to work. So there is a real demand and, and supply, and that's new. And then we see that the recycling quotas are increasing and that there is a demand for recycled content, which means that when there is a demand for recyclables, there is a demand for feedstock. And I think understanding and owning that material flow will be much more important in the future. And we see already some companies that are starting to looking at this and taking actions. And these certainly will have a competitive edge over the others. And then in addition to tracking that material, you will get data. And the key here is data, that you can then own that data and understand what is happening in the different material flows. And when you said about the pandemic, it's clear that before and after pandemic is quite different. Now the industry, us as consumers, and also the politicians are willing and ready to make a recovery in a more sustainable way. So I think there's some very positive uh, movement. And, and how important is this? I'm not going to say life or death, but it's very important. It's sending a strong signal also to the business community that we all need to shape up. But of course, if we don't have the feedstock, the business model will not exist. Okay, let's take it from there. To encourage investment, there needs to be a real business case. The price of recycled plastics hasn't really been attractive in the recent past. So why should we be looking at this solution? Yeah, and that's a very good question, me too. And it's back to the kind of the spreadsheet thinking. But I think that there's been a change now in the last months. The prices of virgin and recycles uh, have really been decoupled from each other, and that will impact the companies. It started with PET, which is another type of plastics, but it's now also impacted on other plastic materials and various metal fractions. There's something happening now in, in the market. What about separate source collection that's already in place? You talked about this a little bit before. Why does the industry need to invest even more? Well, because as a consequence of the recycled content demand, as you probably know, some of the, the larger brands have said that they want to have higher, they have aims or targets for 25, 50% recycled content by 2025 or 2030, depending on the company and, and their statement. They, of course, need that feedstock. And the material is out there. It's somewhere out there in different waste streams. Uh, but then to be able to extract that waste stream and that fraction so that you can, so the brands can take it and make it into a new product, then you need to invest into processes that can secure that, first of all, you collect it, you sort it, and you process it to a, a quality that is then sufficient for the brands. So, Tom, what role does policy framework legislation play in this? Well, I think 
quite substantial. And I think it's in some cases it's needed as a kickstart to get things going. And let me maybe mention a few initiatives that have surfaced over the recent months only to show how the spread is. So you have the single-use plastic directive in EU. Uh, you have the plastic packaging level in, in EU. You have the new amended Basel Convention on Import and Export of Material. It's also then has an impact on the flow of that material between countries. Uh, you have the newly decided EPR, so Extended Producer Responsibility, in the US states of Maine and Oregon, and that is very new and promising. Do the plastic taxes in UK and Italy. And then if you go to the other side of the globe, you have the Australian Packaging Covenant. So many areas of the world or the globe are looking at doing some improved or, or new legislation framework here. And without the EPR initiatives in Europe many years back, I do not think we would have been where we are today. And for sure, those are also needed in the future to be able to get to the, the targets that we want. And the beauty about extended producer responsibility is that the industry is involved in setting that up and that makes it much easier for them to adhere to those framework and, and thus make sure that we can uh, succeed on. Okay, so that's the legislative side. What about consumers? Many have been told that separating their waste is the best way to ensure that materials gets recycled. What's the message now? Has it changed? No, and as I mentioned a little bit before, the message is really that if there is a function system in place, look at it to see what improvements can be made and then make it. If there is not a system in place, that is where a mixed waste sorting system can be established. But it's important to make it as simple as possible for the consumers, but at the same time you need, of course, to secure a certain quality of the end product. So Tom, let's be honest. Can waste from mixed or residual waste actually be processed to such a level that it can be recycled or even upcycled? It seems that contamination would play a major factor here. Yeah, and that's again a good question. But we have, together with many actors within our industry, but also with converters and brands, we have many examples of how it's possible to take that fairly dirty material, collect it, sort it, and process it so that you get with advanced mechanical recycling including hot washing, including decontamination and deodorization to get to a product that is good enough. Uh, and we have an example of a plant here in Germany, the Lanschen plant, where we are, together with Borealis, we are looking at how to do that. And that has just started, and the initial results are very promising. There will, of course, be a need for some fractions, the chemical recycling. But that is still in a very early stage. But also there, that's something we support whenever that makes more sense from a, an ecological point of view and also from an economical point of view. And it's interesting that you bring up chemical recycling. It's, does that replace other types of recycling? No, uh, we see it as an addition. Again, we think that the chemical recycling should be used for those fractions that are more difficult to get good results, uh, and again, good enough results, 
using the mechanical recycling. And I think that is where we need to, in the market, we need to agree on what makes sense to use the mechanical recycling, but a more improved mechanical recycling compared to what has been the case so far. And where does it make sense to then use the chemical recycling? So is it fair to say they're complementary? I think so. If the players in the market can be sensible, I think that it's absolutely a complementary solution so far. Again, Norway seems to be leading the way in showing the world what sustainability means. Eva in Stavanger and Roaf near Oslo have actually put this system into place, changing the waste management systems that were in place. What's special about these situations? Well, the thing is that they took a step back and looked at what they had. And then they had the courage to confront the established truth, if you want, of how to do it. And then they went their own way. And the outcome is that the resulting plastic fraction, if we talk about plastic here, went from some 7 kilos per inhabitant per year to now 22 to 26 kilos per inhabitant per year. That's more than a tripling of the extracted plastic. And they also had the courage to look beyond the only the short-sighted spreadsheet. Because, of course, it's substantial investments, but over time it also... From a money point of view, it will pay off. The EU quotas stipulate some ambitious packaging recycling targets, although some say the quotas should be more ambitious. Right now, however, we are looking at 55% by 2025, 60% by 2030, and 70% by 2035. So how far are Roaf and Eva from meeting these goals? Well, to my understanding, they are on a good way to reach that. By adding the mixed waste sorting, they eliminated the separate collection of plastic packaging and those costs. And what I've understand is they're saying that they will meet the 65 recycling rate by 2035. But I, I do, however, suggest to the listener to listen in on the podcast of Oliver in this series, because uh, that's a full episode just on, on this, and, and that will give the listener more details and info into that. Okay, that's a very good tip. So let's return to the beginning of our conversation. We still have a long way to go with competing interests, and you've mentioned that before, on both sides of the green fence. Are you optimistic that we can turn things around quickly enough? No and yes, me too. No, because there is not a fully functional market out there yet. I think it will come, but it's not there today. And no, because... As mentioned, there could be some conflict of interest within the waste managed companies, those that are owning the landfill and incinerators. But yes, because of the increasing legislation that I mentioned, and yes, because of the demand of recyclables from converters and major brands for that recycled content, and yes, because the consumers are much more aware of the issue and they are voicing their concerns, and they are pushing the companies to change. And finally, yes, because people knowing me would define me more as a half-full-bottle guy rather than a half-empty-bottle person. So yes, I'm, I'm positive about this. It's good to end on a positive note. Thanks. Thank you, Tom, for an insightful discussion. Really very interesting and in the end promising. That's it for now, and I will leave you with one last thought. 
Mike Huckabee, former governor of Arkansas in the U.S., recently said, The most important thing about global warming is this. Whether humans are responsible for the bulk of climate change is going to be left to the scientists. But it's all of our responsibility to leave this planet in better shape for the future generations than we found it. Charma.com is where you can find out more. <laughs> <laughs>